This is the score. 1400 WFOR, Hattiesburg. What's happening? What's happening? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. I am your host, Jamie Arrington, broadcasting from the Eagle Broadcasting Studios in beautiful Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I've got my good buddy, Lanny Mixon, with me tonight. How's it going, Lanny? Man, doing well. How about yourself? Doing terrific. Good to be back. It, it kind of feels like we've already done this one time today. It feels like we've done this one time today. I was on the Pine Belt Sports Drive with Lanny. He was uh, courteous enough to bring me in to talk a little uh, a little bit of variety in sports. So now we're going to talk Southern Miss and Southern Miss-related talk. You break from all the Power Five propaganda out there on mainstream sports media, or as Bill McGill says, the high-resource high five propaganda out there. But before we get into all the Southern Miss stuff, I want to tell you about a big show coming up Thursday night. I'm super excited about this show, the Roast of Hub City Comedy. You've got 10 local comics. They're going to go on stage at the Thirsty Hippo Thursday night at 8 p.m. and roast each other. We've been having roast battles for the past few months at our open mic, so... Really looking forward to that. If you're into that kind of humor, that's going to be a lot of fun. Big news today regarding To The Top Talk, we are now on iTunes. So from here on out, as long as I can get my act together and make sure that everything is in order, we will have these uh, episodes on the air on Tuesday nights as well as on iTunes. And I just got the notification. It is now on Google Play as well. So we'll have it on SoundCloud bunch of different ways for you to listen to it a bunch of different ways for you to listen to it if you are you know our fans uh around the country so really excited about those things also i will let you guys in on a secret i sent it to lenny the other day uh i came out of retirement for one day a couple of weeks ago and i was the mascot for college savings mississippi Echo the mockingbird they paid me nicely i was in a commercial with Mississippi's uh, treasurer, Lynn Fitch. Love some Lynn Fitch. Love some Lynn Fitch. Had a great time with them. So if you see the Mockingbird, uh, they've, they've already started airing the commercials on television, and you can find my little web commercial on YouTube right now. Uh, you can tell I'm, it's dad, I'm so proud of it. Why wouldn't you be? Well, Jamie, you, you, <laughs> should, you should be proud of it. And, but I'm going to be honest. For somebody that's known you for a long time, somebody that's close to you, for me personally, it was a lot like watching Brett Favre in a Jets jersey. Oh, my goodness. I hope I did not send out any text messages while I was on. <laughs> no, I, yeah, absolutely, man. It felt like it. But I was in the bird costume. so that's It that, was close. That's close. Uh, I, I forgot how hot those things are. I was totally spent by the time the day was over. Um, also, kind of some – before we really get into what happened this past weekend – it was announced yesterday that the Big 12 decided that they are not going to expand. You know, they've been going the, – the, the chatter on this has been going back and forth, whether or not the Big 12 was going to expand, maybe take a team like Cincinnati, maybe take a, you know, BYU, Houston. And I thought it was funny there was a picture that leaked that had the 
the paper with the Cincinnati and the Big 12 logo mm-hmm. on it. I thought it was hilarious. You know, one of the things, uh, and Jamie, I know you've been out and about and, and not able to listen, but but one of our, our um, um, midday hosts, uh, Colin Cowherd, had a really interesting, uh, had some, broke some really interesting news on it. Basically, the entire Big 12 expansion was torpedoed by ESPN and Fox Sports, the TV rights holders for um, the Big 12 Conference or the Big 12 Minus 2 Conference. So it appears that, you know, under their media rights contracts, they... Those two entities would have had to shell out millions of more dollars per year to the Big 12 Conference if they expanded. And basically, you know, the from what Colin Cowherd was told is that the executives at the two TV networks said, you guys want to be very, very careful with what you're doing here um, because we hold the checkbook. Wow. And there's no, you know, it doesn't matter who ends up with the first rights and who ends up with the second rights. Those are the only two networks bidding. Right. So do you want to make both of them mad at the same time? And apparently that's what they were risking doing by expanding with the teams mentioned. Mm. ESPN has been doing what they could to to ruin college sports for the past 20-plus years. No question. ridiculous. Uh, It makes me sick. Well, I went to Baton Rouge this weekend, and and to be outside of the second half, I had an amazing time. Uh, My apologies to my good friends Slade White, Kirk Overby, and my brother Dusty. We've recorded some stuff there. It's not going to make it to air. I I was done with it by the time I got back home. But let's talk a little bit about that. Might be something good for the uh, iTunes. That may be something good for the iTunes. Um, but when I first got to to Baton Rouge, I went and stayed with a couple of friends of mine, Kurt and Diane, and we were driving over to the stadium to begin tailgating. And I was kind of taken aback by all of the flood damage. By mm-hmm. you know, you still see debris on the side of the road out there. It's amazing that they're able to get done what they're able to do. Uh, there were a lot of restaurants, a lot of stores. I mean, the Target where Kirk and Diane live in, in Walker isn't even open yet. So that's the first thing I noticed. And then, you know, you have everything that went down this summer with the police and the protests and stuff. So Baton Rouge really has just been all over the place. There's so many emotions going on. There's so many things happening. So you kind of you go into that and you think, okay, well, you know, hopefully there are some distractions and, and for you know the Tiger football team. And I don't know if there were or not, but they certainly didn't show it, show it in the second half. Um, another thing I'll say about Baton Rouge, I was kind of surprised. The fans were great. I was invited to just about every tailgate that we you know came up on, mm-hmm. uh, food, drinks, everything else. I was more obnoxious than the Tiger fans were. The ones that I was sitting in the immediate vicinity. You know, they start doing their, their cheers, T-I-G-E-R. And I was like, C-H-E-A-T-E-R-S. And that's, you know, they didn't take too kindly to it, but it was all in fun. It didn't and catch on. It didn't catch on. The Southern Miss fans, it caught on with a little bit. They didn't join me, but I think they, I hope they enjoyed it. I don't know. My wife thinks I get a little out of control sometimes. I took a nasty spill down the stairs in that upper deck at, at uh, Tiger Stadium. It is, it is extremely steep. Is ridiculously steep. And to tell you the truth, I mean, nobody was, was overly dressed up. Like you, you see at some of these other Southeastern Conference schools. You know, everybody was kind of down to earth. Maybe it's just we're not huge rivals or anything like that. But I didn't have a bad experience. I know other people have. But I, in the facilities, I, I wasn't overly impressed, just to be honest with you. I don't know what I was expecting. I mean, it's a huge stadium, but it's 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 old. It's like a lot of the other ones out there. They, they may put some... Some lipstick on it here and there, may add some sweets, but uh, 
you know, bathrooms were a little little subpar. Well, I'll tell you, um, you you I, I would expect you you would have the right to have some pretty big expectations, Jamie, because I mean you can do a lot with with a hundred million dollar year budget. Oh, absolutely. Imagine, I would think you could anyway. What what could we do with a hundred million dollar budget at Southern Miss? Well, before we get into the in, into talking about the game, uh, I want to talk a little about my next segment coming up in a few minutes. Uh, Dustin Allman, former Southern Miss quarterback. I interviewed him yesterday. We're going to be airing that interview after the break. Uh, really excited to talk to Dustin. He was one of the one of the best. Oh, he's one of the top five in the record books. Hey, he was one of my favorite Southern Miss quarterbacks to watch. Um, you know, he he had a little bit of that Brett Farr flair, hundred percent guy all the time, giving it everything he had. Uh, real emotional, sometimes too emotional, but aren't we all at times? Uh, just a guy that you could tell absolutely loved to play the game. Oh, he did. He was so much fun to watch. Well, we got a couple of minutes left for the break. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the LSU game, right? <laughs> we came out. Uh, we came out strong. Mm-hmm. We came out, took it, took the ball down the field. Edo Smith uh, scores a one-yard touchdown for the Southern Miss to take the seven to nothing lead. Right, and it was the first time all season long that LSU had given up a touchdown uh, in the first quarter. So Southern Miss is off for the to a good start. Um, they get on the board early. They make the Tigers press a little bit. They obviously have a really good game plan going in, kind of moving away from what they had done up until this point with a high-flying, fast-paced, tempoed offense, kind of trying to grind the ball out, you know, long, methodical drives. Some good things that you saw uh, in that first half, throughout the first quarter, and e- even into halftime, and um, either running out of some steam, some bad plays, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, Jamie, the 600-pound gorilla sitting in the middle of the room that the Eagle Nation can't ignore any longer is Southern Miss's inability to combat the big play. And that bit Southern Miss again against LSU, uh, particularly in that third quarter, where LSU put 28 points on the board on 10 offensive plays. Gosh, it's like 28 yards of play. Yes, you're. Well, well, they, no, twenty eight. Twenty eight points to play. They they, they gave like two hundred thirty five yards. So twenty three yards of play. Twenty three and a half yards of play. Gosh. And uh, they, you know, they scored. You know, they scored quick. Southern Miss turns the ball over almost in the red zone. They score quick again, and the route was on. It sure was, and it, and Nick didn't look like he was a hundred percent either. No, I don't think he was. Uh, you know, I I did not realize the extent of uh, of the injury that Nick had. It, you know, it was not a broken finger. He knocked the knocked the thumb joint out of place, but it actually tore through his skin. He had bones sticking out on the sideline. They actually stitched him up on the sideline of the UTSA game, wrapped it up, and sent him back in. Oh my. So I don't know if that's a testament to how tough Nick Mullins is or to how little faith you have in your backups. My goodness. I was not aware of that. Well, the good news coming out of this is that Southern Miss is now 500 in the SEC. Yeah, that's not a, that'll get you in a really good bowl game most years. Yeah, most years that'll get you a really good bowl game. Also, Parker Seinfeld, can't, can't forget him. I mean, he's still batting 1,000 on the year with his field goals, with the one field goal he had in the first half. And I think he's going to continue that. I think – He's going to continue that trend uh, through at least this weekend, Jamie. No, at least through this weekend. Nobody cut that hair. Leave that hair alone. That's what I say. Absolutely. Well, like you mentioned, we got the bye week this weekend. We got our interview coming up after the break with Dustin Allman. Really excited about that. I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. I had a great time talking to him. 
I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm figuring this out. I'm figuring this thing out. We'll be right back with more To The Top Talk and Dustin Allman right here on The Score, 1400 AM in Hattiesburg. We are here with former Southern Miss quarterback, Dustin Allman. How you doing, Dustin? I'm doing good. How are you today? Doing good. Good to have you on the show. Absolutely. I'm, I'm honored. Now, you were you were a pretty highly touted quarterback coming out of high school. How did you end up at Southern Miss? You know, I, I came out and I, was, I had three offers on the table. I had one from Mississippi State, Louisville, and Southern Miss. And, you know, I took all my visits. I kind of, you know, felt more part of, I guess what was going on at Southern Miss. I knew the tradition there. Um, you know, not to say that I didn't like Mississippi State, but I was kind of, I knew they were about to go on probation with some, with some, whatever violations they had with the NCAA. And I kind of, I felt at home more so at Southern Miss. Well, what was it like playing for Jeff Bauer? You know, the first few years, uh, I was kind of, you know, a troublemaker more so, you know, a teenage kid away from home. And kind of got to see, you know, what Bauer had to deal with, you know, by the time I was a senior. Um, and, and he definitely, you know, as a head coach there in college, you got you got big roles to uh, to fill with these kids and, and definitely a lot going on. You know, I, I enjoyed Coach Bauer as a coach um, and definitely off the field, you know, he, he got me right and, and got me a degree when it was all said and done. I remember, you know, the first time they threw you into a game, I believe it was against South Florida. Uh, I guess it would have been your redshirt freshman year. Uh, talk a little bit about the first time you stepped on the field as a Golden Eagle quarterback. Uh, well, you know, the very first time I stepped on the field, it was, you know, I had a goal line package. Um, my first play from scrimmage was actually handed to Derek Nick for Derek Nick's for a touchdown. Um, and then that was my Southern Miss career. You know, I got extensive playing time with South Florida. You know, I felt at home because I was in the state of Florida and just kind of, you know, it almost – well, the slap in the face of South Florida didn't didn't offer me, so it was definitely uh you know playing out with a going out and playing with a grudge, and I think I took that all throughout my career. But I tell you what, man, there's there's nothing like dropping back and and throwing that first pass or you know making your first read. I mean, it's just it's it's all it's made up to be. Talk a little bit about that 2002 season. I mean, the big storyline from that year, of course, was was Derek Nix and the way he played with failing kidneys. Tell us a little bit about that year and, and what it meant to to see a guy like Derek go through what he was going through. Well, you know, when I came to school in 01, you know, I first got to meet Derek Nix. He kind of talked to all the freshmen that were coming in. And, and you talk about a guy that is just a great role model. I mean, on and off the field and, and a guy that you definitely want to kind of play like or play up to his expectations, you know. And in 02, well, the summer going into 02, he started training back with us and just to see the the obstacles he had to come over to get to the field was an achievement in itself. And then, you know, just playing with him in the backfield. I mean, it just, you know, seeing him in the huddle and, and everyone knew at any given time, Derek Nix is going to break, you know, a run or, or just make a big play that's going to turn the game. And, you know, I remember the, the last ball ever handed to Derek Nix and, you know, he, he had a hurt ankle and, and I think he ran for seven or eight yards on pretty much one leg. You know, that just talks talks to the heart of soul, not only Derek Nix, but overall the Southern Miss football and that tradition that we always talk about. One of the games that really, you know, if you, if you think about what Southern Miss is all about, that 2003 game against TCU, 
when uh, TCU was a top 10 team headed for a BCS bowl and Southern Miss comes out there and, and pulls the spoiler. Yeah, that was a, that was a special night. You know, I was just talking to someone the other, the other day about that, you know, just the, the weather that night was absolutely perfect. You know, you could smell the, I say the cannon smoke and everyone's like, what's a cannon smoke? And that was, you know, every time we scored, the cannon goes off, you know, and that, that was still a vivid memory. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing how that night kind of shaped and took place. And then at the end, you know, the goalpost coming down, I think that was the last time that that's, at, that that's happened there at the rock. And it was, uh, it was a special night for sure. We can't afford to replace too many goalposts, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm sure the school will be, be glad to pay him if, you know, with big wins like that. I, I'm sure they won't have a problem with that. Well, that 2003 year as well, you, you also won a conference championship. And back then, it, it was kind of the expected thing to do every year. And I, I guess it is to an extent now, but we had won so many of them. And you, you played your four years, you went to a bowl every year. And, you know, I think over the past few years, we kind of realized what we took for granted. You know, that that's something that we're building back. I'm, I'm glad to see the coach hops back in the head seat. You know, and the tradition did change there for a couple of years, you know, and, and you look at it, we were a, a solid defensive school, you know, and now, now we're spreading the ball and now our defense is slowly coming back to what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, I, but I do see us, our tradition coming back and, and we should start expecting to win these games that we're going into now. What were your impressions uh, playing under on a staff where Jay Hobson was one of the assistant coaches? You know, I, I always enjoyed being around Coach Hobson. I, I know the first year there he came as a defensive back coach, and he brought a lot to the table. I mean, he, he stepped into a role where expect, expectations were high with the with the defense under Coach Nix, I and mean, I think he accepted his role quite well. You know, he did he did kind of go a year to Ole Miss, and and I guess you know what I would say is he wisened up and came back. Um, then he came back as a defensive coordinator, and and Coach Hobson brings a lot to the table. He's, he's very good motivational speaker. Um, he definitely, you know, he definitely doesn't take it easy on the guys, which is, which is a good, and, and he's a player's coach in my eyes. You know, he, uh, he'd always come up and have something to say to me before a game, even though he wasn't my coach, and it was always, um, always took away something from that conversation that we would have. You played in quite a few big games uh, during your career, and, and one of the big wins, uh, after the TCU game would have to be the Nebraska game in 2004. Yeah, that was, uh, that was another one that was up there, you know, and especially the, the year prior, I had, five turnovers. Well, I think I had I think I had five interceptions and one turnover. So to go in there and to play at Nebraska and get a win and you know, I didn't play my best football, but I did enough for us to win and again the defense, you know, playing behind that defense, it's always an easy job. But uh, you know, that was special. You know, you, you go in and and the history behind the Nebraska program and the black shirts and that was pretty cool, man. And then, you know, just to see the Southern Miss fans we had, we had one little corner of that, that stadium and it was all gold and, and you could hear our fans over all of them. And that was, uh, that's pretty sweet. And then to come home, you know, we get off the plane and, and all of our fans are out there greeting us at the tarmac. I mean, that was, that was, that was definitely a story to remember. Well, the 2005 season kind of started off in a little different direction than normal. We, we suffered the wrath of Hurricane Katrina. What was it like trying to, prepare for the football season after Katrina? Well, I mean, first of all, we started, you know, we, we started practice and then had to kind of cut our practice time and, and ride the storm through. Um, you know, Coach Bauer wasn't letting anybody leave. Um, and then the next day, you know, we're taking buses up to Memphis. So now we're sharing a pro, uh, facility with Memphis and doing our two-a-day still, and then pretty much not even having a warm-up game and driving right back through Tuscaloosa. You know, we drive to Tuscaloosa and and almost come with a win there. You know, to almost start 
off with a big win like that at, at Alabama, you know, we had expectations high going into that season. You know, we're playing, we're kind of getting on a roll, I would say. And then, you know, here comes another hurricane. So now the game with Houston was pushed back. So, you know, it wasn't ideal for a senior year by no means. I think I think at that point, I think we had to play maybe three games in 12 days. I think Coach Bauer broke it down. You know, that year I think we were closer to get, we were closer as a team, uh, just having to endure all that. The season didn't turn out quite like we expected it, but, you know, overall we, we played as, as hard as we could and, and definitely were in every game that we played. And, you know, in that, in that 2005 year, too, the, the offense started picking up. They started running a little more of a spread. But, you know, I've talked with several Southern Miss fans that were, were really, you know, we just kind of imagine what it would have been like with your skill set in one of the modern-day spread offenses. With your arm strength, there's no telling what kind of numbers you would have put up in an offense like that. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, I, I I would love to play it as well. You know, you see the way that the game has changed these days. And my my career there at Southern Miss, I went through three offensive coordinators. Um, I couldn't tell you how many running backs I went through. I, you know, of course, I started off with Derek Nix. We had Anthony Harris, you know, Timmy Blackwell. And, and I, I think probably ten running backs my career I was there. But, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, if, you know, it was, it was, uh, I definitely don't regret my time by, by any means. But yeah, I would, I would have loved to run a spread offense with that powerful defense that we had. I think, um, you know, it would have been a little different for sure. Well, what are some of your other, you know, most favorite memories of your time at Southern Miss? Oh, man. Probably the one that sticks out the most is just my family coming every game. You know, we had a little tailgate spot over there, kind of in between the dorms and, and, just seeing my family after every game, that was probably the part I enjoyed the most of, of being at Southern Miss. But, you know, just the guys, the camaraderie in the locker room and, and just being together as, as a team and, and brothers. And I think, you, you know, you see those guys more than you see your family, than more than you see anyone else, you know, for five years you're locked in. And, and it was cool to see how people have grown. And, and just the other day going back to Baton Rouge and running some of the old teammates, you know, it's uh it's good to catch up with those guys and know they're doing well. And, and, you know, going back about talking about coach Bauer, you know, coach Bauer did everything he could to make sure that we graduated um, and got a degree and went on to do good things. And, and that's, uh, he always prepared us to be mentally tough. So now going out in today's work workforce, I mean, there's no surprise and it's nothing that's going to get you down. I think that all started, you know, that first day on campus at Southern Miss. Talk to us a little bit about football post-college. You spent some time at different levels playing arena football, went to the Arena Football League, played for the Philadelphia Soul. Tell, tell us a little bit about the, the time after college. Well, you know, right after college, I got I signed a free agent deal up with the Browns. Um, so I was up there for a few months, um, you know, and probably the worst part of that whole thing was being cut by Cornell and kind of, you know, all throughout my career, I've never been told I wasn't good enough. And then now I'm being told by a coach that, you know, pretty much we're going to have to let you go. You know, so you kind of sit sit on that for a couple of days, and then I had a couple of private workouts with the Jaguars. Of course, timing wise, you know they had, you know, I went in. Of course, of course, we love you. You're better than the other quarterback we have. But this week we got to sign a no lineman because a no lineman got hurt. Ah. You know, so kind of having to deal with that, and then, you know, then I got into arena. I started my career there in Dallas. Uh, it was Frisco it was a franchise team there. Um, played there for a year. I got, you know, my first year there, I was offensive MVP of the league. So that was kind of big. Um, and I played with a couple of teammates there. Deron Lawrence kind of followed me through there as one of my receivers. Antoine Carrington came through there as one of my receivers. So we still kind of played a little bit together. Um, and then the next year, I went and played down in Corpus Christi. Played there for a year. We lost the championship. So that was kind of 
you know, a sour taste, but, you know, I hurt my knee that year, so I set the next year out. Um, and then, you know, one of the coaches down in San Angelo, Clint Dozell, who's now, you know, he was a coach at, at Dallas when I went to Dallas for the vigilantes after after the uh, San Angelo. Um, and then the third day of camp I was there, I, you know, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, stepping up in the pocket, just a non-contact injury. Um, so that was kind of humbling for, you know, and, and kind of put things in perspective. I uh, set out for a year. I was coaching and teaching and kind of working with kids, you know, up there outside of Bossier and Sibley. Louisiana. And then after that teaching career and I kind of got my feet back, I went up to, to Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Soul. You know, we lost the championship that year. And then after that, you know, I just realized it's time to start a career and kind of get out into the real world. You know, I moved to to Green Bay after that and started selling dental supplies. Um, and now I'm down here in New Orleans selling for Budweiser and, and coaching here at Brother Martin, coaching the quarterbacks. You mentioned you went to the uh, LSU game the other day, met up with some old teammates. What was what? What did you take away from that uh, experience and that game? Um, you know, that's the first time I've been to Death Valley, so that was pretty cool. You know, I kind of got some sideline passes to go out there before the game and, and visit with some of the guys. Um, you know, to run into Reggie Collier, of course. You know, it's always good to see him. Um, and then Father Tommy, I haven't seen Father Tommy in a long time. You know, and then kind of shook hand with Coach Hobbs and talked with Patrick Stewart, but. But just to see where the program is now, you know, and know that we can compete with these big schools as we're, you know, a few years back, you know, we wouldn't even have been able to step on the field with those guys. You know, we come out and play a great first half um, and kind of, you know, just things didn't go our way in the second half. And, again, you know, for that first half, we played great football in the second half. Just kind of – I don't know what happened after that, you know. <laughs> but um, – but it was good to see Southern Miss out there and definitely competing with an SEC school, which which we all know we can do. Well, another thing that happened over the weekend, Brett Favre was uh, it was he was added to the Ring of Honor in Green Bay. You know, as a former Southern Miss quarterback, what did it mean to you to see him uh, inducted into that Ring of Honor and the NFL Hall of Fame? You know, it was pretty cool, and uh, you know, I got to spend a year and a half up in Green Bay, so you kind of, you know, I got to take all that in and see how much you know that program means to. Green Bay and you know for instance just me carrying Southern Miss ties you know I kind of you know was kind of pushed into that program and just and just kind of feeling it all how the fans are and you know everyone talks to Brett Favre oh you went to Southern Miss you play so it was pretty cool and and definitely Favre is uh is deserving of it you know the fans love him up there I mean he's, he's definitely a Green Bay god you know I would describe it as but I'm glad to see you know they finally come around and, and put him up there where he deserves to be. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Dustin. Any final words for the Southern Miss fans out there? Uh, you know, just keep believing in the team and, and keep supporting. You know, I, I want to see as many people out at the Rock every, every game, you know, more and more people, and, and just continue just to support the program. I, you know, going around and walking at Baton Rouge, you know, talking to people to the top, to the top, you know, just to just to have that and see fans and, and just the following. Just, you know, if we can continue to support our program, you know, it's only going to get better. We're starting to get the facilities now. We're starting to compete. We're starting to to play like Southern Miss football used to be played, you know. And I and I think every year it's going to get better and better. But just continue to to believe in the Eagles and and continue to follow them and support them. We are back. I'm starting to figure out this live radio thing we got going on here. Well, I'll tell you, man, um, you're doing well. You know, I go back, you know, I've been doing this, what, 10, 12, 
years now, Jamie, I go back and listen to some of the tapes of my old broadcasting, and I don't think that I should be fired. I think Ted Tibbet should have been fired for allowing me on. I mean, I was that bad. So you you were you were far far uh, ahead of the curve. I was just glad you were talking Southern Miss on the radio, dude. I mean, I didn't even care. I was like, yeah, somebody's talking Southern Miss. Let's let's uh, let's listen. And that's what that's the way people treat my podcast. They're like, somebody's well, talking Southern Miss. Let's it, listen. And I'll tell you, um, you know, as, as strange as that sounds, but a lot of what we're doing here today at, at Eagle Broadcasting kind of grew out of those very first really bad Big Gold Nation radio um, events. Hey, we'll take it, man. Let's talk. Let's talk a little more Southern Miss football. You went out to practice some this week. What'd you take away from? Did that? man, and you know, really, kind of what I took away from this started um, when Jay Hobson was talking to the media after the LSU game in the in the post game press conference. You know, he pretty much uh, you know said that they were going to do whatever they needed to take from a you know from scheme standpoint to a personnel standpoint. Um, to address the issues on the big play because that is Southern Miss's Achilles heel. It's the big play, you know, um, and, and these last two weeks has become even more apparent than it ever been. Uh, and some of the things uh, that I saw today is that they're really kind of getting back to some fundamental basics, which is nothing new or nothing unexpected for a bye week. You, you do that in general. But I'll tell you, I won't be in, and I didn't get to take in enough of the practice to, to really get a, a, a full-scale sense of exactly what's going down. But I did kind of, Jamie, did kind of get the sense that there may be a few spots um, on that defense uh, where the starting position is not necessarily safe. I think there's going to be more players, get more reps in practice, and I, I think that it, at some spots on the linebacker core and potentially on the, in the secondary, there have probably been some spots opened up where guys are going to have the opportunity to 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 earn a spot and some other guys are going to have uh, the opportunity to keep a spot. But, but I do think that especially this week, you're going to see a lot of competition and you know for the remainder of the week uh, as far as what – uh, what's going out there, especially on that defensive side of the ball? We've already seen them make some changes on the offensive side of the ball as far as personnel with uh, with some moves that they've made in the wide receiver core. I think you're going to see some of that on the defensive side um, this week, and then next week moving into your prep for Marshall. What was the the mood and the uh, the frame of mind like for the team? It was probably one of the more intense practices that I have that I've been to since the season started. Uh, you could tell that. Um, you know, the, the, it was a no-nonsense attitude from from Jay Hobson down to you know the uh, the backup ball boy. I mean, it was a it was a very very intense atmosphere. Uh, it was a very very focused atmosphere. Uh, I spent the majority of the time that I was at practice today uh, on the defensive practice field, uh, and oddly enough, that's where Jay Hobson spent all of his time today. Well, that makes sense. I mean, and that 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 backup ball boy, he'll be on to the top talk sooner rather than later. We'll bring him on here for for an interview. I'm I got to sure. talk to you about reevaluating your book. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Well, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. You know, the the Golden Eagles just faced two opponents coming off of uh, one of them was a planned bye week. That of course the Louisiana State bye week was not planned. It was a, due to <laughs> Hurricane Matthew. So uh, the bye week couldn't have come at a better time. We've got the final what the final five game stretch. Hopefully six, hopefully seven. Yeah, you've got your you've got your conference USA uh, final stretch. Um, you've got the opportunity to get healthy. I think um, I think uh, Nick Mullins is going to benefit from that a lot. That time getting healthy. You know, they got a couple of other guys that are kind of dinged up. Uh, uh, Derek Dixon is kind of dinged up. Uh, 
Uh, Sherrod Ruff is a little bit dinged up. Good news, it looked like Jacob Fleming is, it has been completely cleared. He he was going today without any impediments. So I, I think that's going to be a benefit, having him back on that offensive line. Uh, I think he was missed the last two weeks, possibly more than, than a lot of us thought he would be. We talk about uh, the games last weekend, Conference USA uh, last weekend. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of really big surprises. Nothing really really shaked up. Of course, Western Kentucky uh, defeats Middle Tennessee State two overtimes, forty four mm-hmm. to forty three. And that game, honestly, I, I thought Western Kentucky would win that game a little more handily. I did too. I did too. Uh, Louisiana Tech took care of business with UMass. Uh, FIU sneaks by Charlotte to remain undefeated in conference. FIU three and zero, sitting atop, sitting atop the Eastern Division. The Eastern Division. I wouldn't have bet you a sandwich that would happen this time of year. Well, and and North Texas is tied for first on the other side. You know, we knew one of the Texas schools was going to be better. We knew one of the Texas schools were going to be better. Uh, two weeks ago, I, I think um, I think UTSA gave us the illusion that they might be that school, uh, and then they came back down to earth um, when Rice flat out refused to win a game against uh, the Roadrunners this past uh, weekend. Rice, one point, one point, fourteen to thirteen. And did you see how the game played out? I did not. Nine minutes left. Rice has got the ball fourth and goal on the one yard line. Instead of kicking the ball and taking the lead, they go for it and get stuffed. Didn't they watch the tape last week? And then, with two minutes left, they drive the ball down again. Oh, we're we're now we got a twenty-three yard field goal. We're just gonna now we're gonna take our you know now we're gonna take the win. That's why rice is rice, man. Bounced it off the goalpost. Uh, that's why rice is rice. Well, and there's actually a four-way tie in the West Division. Southern Miss, we're still in the mix. Louisiana Tech and Texas San Antonio, along with North Texas, North Texas, all tied for that first place in the Western Division. And really, you look ahead at the rest of the schedule, and really, you know, I know it's kind of cliche, but all our goals are still ahead of us. We kind of control our own destiny. Well, there's no doubt. Southern Miss, uh, Southern Miss runs the table, um, which they have the ability. There's no question Southern Miss has the ability to run this table. They've got the talent to do it. Um, they have played well enough at various points, in this, and they don't have to even play close to perfect to do that. They can win every game remaining on their schedule by playing a what I would consider an average or above, or slightly above average game for Southern Miss, and they can win every game left on the schedule. Now, they can't go out and play another game like they played against UTSA and win any of those games. But the good news is, I really think they kind of got that behind them. You know, despite the, the problems they had in the third quarter against LSU, you know, let's not pretend that this LSU team is not insanely talented. Ridiculously talented. I mean, you know, I said it last week on, on Sports Drive, they are two points away from being probably the number two ranked team in the country. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you win those games that they lost by one point each. They're the number two ranked team in the country, and I, I thoroughly believe that they're either the third or the fourth most talented team overall in the country behind uh, Alabama and Clemson. And I think that if what had happened the week before against San Antonio hadn't happened, last week wouldn't be as big of a downer as it ended up being. No question. No question. You know, Southern Miss had the opportunity to erase some of those bad trends, and for a half they did that, and then it all came crashing down. Well, let's put that second half behind us. 
move forward. We'll be right back after the break with more To The Top Talk right here on The Score, 1400 AM in Hattiesburg. All right, a little tequila for you guys. Back here on The Score with more To The Top Talk. Let's talk a little NFL. Let's talk Golden Eagles in the NFL. The big event uh, this past weekend didn't happen while the clock was running. It happened at halftime. Brett Favre added to the Ring of Honor at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. All right, we are here with Ross Dellinger, LSU football reporter for The Advocate. Oh, my goodness. No, I don't want to talk to Ross again. I'm done with that guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but Brett Favre. But you, but you have to love live radio. You have to love live radio. And, and Jamie, if, if you didn't have some of these things in there, you wouldn't be able to appreciate it when you get really good at this stuff. I'm trying, man. But this is great. This is great. We're having fun. All right. Ring of Honor. I don't know if there has been a, a, a player since Bart Starr that is more deserving of, of, of the in, the enshrinement there in the Ring of Honor than Brett Favre. What's left for Brett Favre to be on? I mean, what what is there left to honor Brett Favre? I mean, it, it's kind of like Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. You you kind of felt like, even when he was going to the Hall of Fame, I'm sitting there going, man, it just doesn't feel like it's over. It doesn't feel like it's coming to a finale, you know? But it is. It, it, I mean, there's nothing left to, to do. We can honor him at Southern Miss at least once a year. Sure. I mean, I'm for putting I mean, a statue. I'm, well, you know, naming some, you know, facility after him. Maybe a volleyball facility. Maybe. 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 <laughs> I mean, just kind of throwing that out as an idea if you're listening, Brett. Because so, we do get to Olo. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, just throwing it out there. Other uh, Southern Miss NFL-related news this past week. Jalen Richard, the Raiders versus the Chiefs. Jalen starts the game off with a 50-yard kickoff return. First kickoff of the game, Jalen takes it 50 yards. Of course, the Raiders fall 26-10, to 10, but Jalen definitely showing everybody what we already knew he was capable of here at Southern Miss. You know, and it couldn't happen to a, great, uh, to a nicer kid. And, you know, Jalen... Jalen's probably making as much of his opportunity as, as you know pretty much any rookie in the NFL right now, you know, uh, from where he, you know, from where he ended up in the, in the pecking order with the draft free agency and all that stuff. Um, he is making the most of his opportunities, man. And I am just so happy for him. I read a thing the other day that said of, of rookie running backs in the NFL that, uh, that Jalen right now may be, um, only behind Ezekiel Elliott as far as making the most of the opportunities he's been given. Wow. I believe it. If you want to hear more about Jalen Richard's story, go find To The Top Talk on iTunes. I just put up a lot of old interviews with uh, Jalen Richard back from March. we got Mike Thomas. I've got some stuff from Media Day, Bill McGillis. Uh, a great interview with Gerald McGrath, Jeremy Bridges. I mean, there's some great ones on there. I put them all up there just to kind of archive them and give you guys something to listen to now that we're officially on iTunes as of today. More NFL news. Uh, Jamie Collins was out this weekend, mm-hmm. had a nagging injury. He didn't play against the Bengals. Uh, Chris Clark got the start at tackle on Sunday Night Football when the Texans took on the Colts. One of my favorite things is when they're on when a Southern Miss grad is on Sunday Night Football and they get to say Chris Clark, Southern Miss. 
I watch, I mean, sometimes I, if it's a boring game, I really didn't get into the game the other night. I try to watch all the NFL games, but I didn't get into that one. But I always watch for that moment. It's always a special moment uh, as a Southern Miss fan to see that. Well, you know, and, and um, it, it is, and it's always fun. And, and, you know, from my perspective, you know, I follow there, – there are guys going into the league now like like your, you know, Jamie and all of these younger guys who, who I've actually had the opportunity to follow, some of them since they were, you know, 10th, 11th graders in high school all the way through the recruiting process, through their career at Southern Miss, and now seeing them, um, you know, go on and perform at the NFL level. For me, that's something really special, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, especially when you can remember talking to these kids when they were, you know, 17 years old, and and now you see them out there, you know, performing on that big stage. And Jamie's somebody that doesn't really like to talk very much. No, Jamie Jamie was as difficult of, his, of an interview – as a 17-year-old kid, uh, as he is today. <laughs> He's probably pretty comparable to, to Daenerys right now. Yeah. Daenerys does not – he does not like it at all. Well, one more one more NFL thing I want to mention. Um, Kyrie Thornton. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that got drafted in the third round by the uh, Green Bay Packers. Yep. Showed up with, with some weight issues. Uh, bounced around the league a little bit. Finally landed with the Detroit Lions, I think, at last season. Mm-hmm. Really worked hard to get himself in shape, and he made the active roster. Uh, he had two solo tackles, one quarterback hit this weekend. You know, man, Kyrie Thornton, he's one of those kids that, that, that you know, one of those guys, I should say, he's certainly not a kid anymore, but he's one of those guys that, that I do remember talking to when he was that 17-year-old out of Panama City. A lot of fun, huge personality. He's got one of those per- personalities that just lights up an entire room. He'd be a great interview to get in here sometime, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. absolutely would be. And I always felt that his talent level, I mean, when this guy came out of high school, I mean, he had the offers from Florida State, Georgia, Auburn, everybody. He ends up at Southern Miss, kind of a long winding rope. Ends up at Southern Miss, uh, has a great career for Southern Miss. And I always felt like, at some point, he was going to take this NFL thing seriously. And when he did, he was going to have the opportunity for a nice career. I hope we're seeing that. Because I've always thought that the talent was there with him, but I always thought that maybe some maturity issues, and hopefully he's got those past him, and it sounds like he has, and uh, wishing that young man nothing but the best because he, he's got one of those personalities you can't help but just really absolutely love the guy. And the Lions are a great fit for him right now. No question. You know, with with the, with the losses they've had on the defensive line, he's he's fitting right in. He's getting some playing time. So, really excited for him and uh, and that opportunity. Well, let's talk a little Conference USA right now. We talked about it a minute ago, but let's talk about this upcoming weekend. The Golden Eagles have a much needed bye and much needed off week. We can all take some time. It hadn't rained much around my neighborhood, so I don't have to mow the lawn. So I may just chill and I'll have to find something to do. The wife's probably listening right now. Oh, um, she's got something. She's got something. She'll you find guys. me something to do. Um, games this week. North Texas is at Army. Army's, of course, an 18.5-point favorite. But North Texas, they've surprised some people this year. So maybe they can, can get the uh, the victory over Munkin's bunch, the other Munkin. He's still at Army, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you, I watched them play, uh, I guess it was Lafayette last week, and just absolutely dropped a phenomenal beating on Lafayette. Uh, two weekends in a row, scored over 60 points. Uh, Army's back, and, and I think that's good. 
you know, one of my favorite games to win, I know this isn't Southern Miss related at all, but one of my favorite games to watch every year is the Army-Navy game. And I think for the first time in a decade, it's probably going to be a really good game this year. It, it, it always seems like that. Every, every, every decade or so, it, it's, a, it's a relevant game. And, you know, honestly, if, if, uh, if Jeff Munkin stays there, I think it's, it's going to continue to be. Rice is taking on Prairie View this weekend. Rice maybe can get that first win of the season. You know, maybe. Maybe. Uh, then you've got, I think this is one of the more intriguing games in the conference slate this weekend. Middle Tennessee State is at Missouri. Mm-hmm. Missouri's a six-and-a-half point favorite. And, you know, um, Missouri's a six-and-a-half point favorite. That that should tell you a couple of things. It should tell you, number one, where Missouri's at. You know, they took an absolute beating from LSU two weeks ago. Um, Middle Tennessee is is a good Conference USA team. I don't think they're one of the elite Conference USA teams this year. Um, it would be a nice feather in the cap of the league if MTSU can pull out that win. And uh, with the schedule that Missouri has the rest of the year, I won't be surprised if they are overlooking the Raiders a little bit. Well, then you got uh, Charlotte and Marshall. You know, Marshall is a, a 13 point favorite. You know, last week they only what they only uh, won by six. Let me go back to my papers here. Marshall defeated FAU, the uh, one win FAU team, 27 to 21. Marshall definitely not the Marshall of old, but they are almost a two touchdown favorite over Charlotte. And you know, and they should take care of Charlotte in this one. And, and um, Marshall's the team I can't figure out in the East this year. Either I'm just terrible at projecting where these Conference USA teams are going to finish or, or something is really not right at Marshall because I kind of projected them as the uh, as the, the East Division champion. I think a lot of people did. I mean, Doc Holliday, I mean, heck of a coach. Heck of a coach. Got a good young quarterback coming back. Got a lot of returning players off of, off of a team last year that was pretty doggone good. Um, combine that with, with the losses that, uh, that Western Kentucky had, man, I, I – I'm, I just I picked that one wrong, Jamie. No no ifs, ands, or buts. I thought they were going to be a much better team than they than they have played to this point in the season. Louisiana Tech, our uh, Western Division rival, taking on FIU, the un, the undefeated in conference. FIU, La Tech is a 16 point favorite in this game as of right now. You know um, that that should be a game that Louisiana Tech should take care of business. Um, FIU trying to make a little noise, um, playing at home. Uh, not going to be the easiest game for um, for Louisiana Tech. They're going to be playing in a in a in a big stadium with not many people in it, and that's not always the most uh, that's not always the easiest environment to play in. But uh, the Bulldogs should pick up that win. The only other team that's undefeated in conference play in the East, Old Dominion, they are taking on Western Kentucky. Western thirteen and a half point favorites. I, I would expect the two undefeated teams in the East to uh, to go down this weekend. I think you're right, and I don't think – I'm not sure that Old Dominion-Western Kentucky game is going to be very competitive. Last game on the slate, UTEP at Texas-San Antonio. I really just – I wish UTEP could get it together this week. You know, I think UTEP is a better team than Texas-San Antonio, but Texas-San Antonio plays extremely well at home. Um, Absolutely. That, I think that's that's probably going to give the Roadrunners the opportunity to win that game, but I won't be surprised if that game goes either way. We're getting close to the end of the show. Let's shut it down. Special thanks to former Southern Miss quarterback Dustin Allman. Great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Follow us on Twitter at To The Top Talk. Follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. If you want to keep up with my comedy shows, at Hub City Comedy. Also, The Score at The Score 1400. 
on Twitter, as well as you can follow Lanny at Big Gold Nation. You can follow us all on Facebook as well. Uh, my big show this week, The Roast of Hub City Comedy, Thursday night at the Thirsty Hippo. I, I kind of like how that sounded. Thursday night at the Thirsty Hippo, October the 20th, 8 p.m. Tickets are $10. If you're into roast comedy, it's going to be a hoot. If you're not, uh, you may want to skip that one. It's going to get pretty intense. We, we, go, we cut deep on each other. I'll just say it like that. Um, also, be sure, if you got an iPhone, if you got an iPad, go find To The Top Talk on iTunes. Give us a follow. If you don't have access to that, uh, these episodes will be broadcast also on SoundCloud as well as Google Play. And we'll have some more information upcoming in the next few weeks on how you can keep up with this show even better than you already can. Next week, we will be pre previewing Homecoming and the uh, Marshall game, as well as all the activities going on that week. I'll tell you, man, uh, going to be a lot going on. Uh, Halloween week, a um, lot of stuff for the kids around campus, a lot of stuff for uh, for the alumni. Um, huge week, and we'll have uh, we'll have more on that uh, this coming week. I don't know if you listened to my one of my interim episodes when I was in transition, but somebody took my tailgating spot last game. I heard. So um, it was the Department of, Department of Health at Southern Miss, and I didn't really start anything with them. I just uh, really – our other spot was fine, but it's just kind of a – got to get out there early next week. So I'm really, really going to make sure that me and, and, and Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend Jason Bailey – Get up there, get out there, set out the tent on time, out there all day enjoying the festivities, man. There's nothing like a night game at the Rock, especially with the weather that we should be having. So, really looking forward to that. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Be sure to follow us on all the social media outlets right here on the score, 1400 AM in Hattiesburg. And I close out the shows the same way. I don't even remember if I did this last week. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.